0: All right, little off-the-top table of contents. And I'm not going to lie, I don't even know if podcasts do this or not. All I can tell you is I'm doing it because I don't know how else to start this. So this this is a big episode for a couple different reasons. First of all, I'm interviewing someone who I can't even explain to tell you how excited I am to talk with this guy. He was the first person to interview me on live radio uh, you know, back in my stand up days, and he is a huge Star Trek fan. I'm talking with Fred Kennedy. That's gonna be the second portion of this uh, this podcast after I do my light ramblings off the top. And also, this is a huge episode because Fred not only explains to me what the Starship Enterprise is, I finally find out in the Carbonite Maneuver a name that makes no sense to me. But it is very informative. So, uh, yeah, let's get into my light ramblings to open the show up. And thank you again. And don't forget, I also have a website, myfirsttrek.com. I'm learning how to build it, so it's a little rough right now, but it should work. This is episode 11 of My First Trek. My name, as usual, is Mark a bonus. Haven't changed it yet. Still that. And, uh, I hope that we have a good thing going on at this point, you know, like I think if you're a returning listener, you kind of understand what the concept is that I'm doing here. And if you're a new listener, you're about to find out that I know absolutely nothing about Star Trek. So I'm happy to be talking with a bunch of Trekkies and, you know, talking with, uh, Andrew, the Trekopedia, cause he's been really, uh, you know, filling me in on what the hell is actually going on. And uh, it's always good talking with him, and and I'm happy to keep talking with him because I am becoming more invested. Like, I'm not going to lie to you guys and tell you that I'm dreaming Star Trek and I'm, like, waking up and seeing Star Trek everywhere. But I am easily getting through the episodes now where it was a little bit hard before. And um, it wasn't for any reason, except I just didn't know what the hell was going on. And don't get me wrong, I'm still confused at at certain things, but I've just accepted that it is TV and a world that takes place in space. So I'm not losing sleep over it, and I hope you're not either. But uh, we we we're getting into an episode where I'm not gonna lie to you. I have no idea what the carbomite is, but this is episode ten of the original series called the Corbinite Maneuver. Now, I will read you a basic breakdown of what it is, but I'm not going to read it all because we've probably understood at this point that my reading is not the best. So I'll read you the first sentence. This is the plot of the episode. Plot. The USS Enterprise commanded by Captain James T. Kirk. I don't know where that T came from all of a sudden finishes a third day of star mapping when notices when, oh no, this is embarrassing. I'm going to start again. The USS Enterprise commanded by Captain James T. Kirk. Remember the joke finishes a third day of star mapping when novice navigator, Lieutenant Dave Bailey spots a large spinning multicolored cube floating in space. He advocates attacking it with phasers. Kirk instead orders the ship to back away from the object. The cube pursues them, emitting harmful radiation, and Kirk reluctantly destroys it. That's pretty much the beginning. Then there's a lot more, and I think we could tell that I shouldn't be reading any more than I have to. But uh, where that's pretty much uh, what we're about to get into. I'm assuming carbamite is a term that I don't understand. Maybe some sort of cube, some sort of space word. I have no clue. But I know that we're getting into an episode where there is a flying cube in space. So let's see how Spock can pull out a new Vulcan power. Dr. McCoy could have some more racist comments. And Kirk could just test his physical and mental pain threshold because he's probably going to get hurt in this episode and and this is just going to turn into how does Kirk survive this one uh but you're you're listening to me still I hope and where I have no confidence in this I I don't know if you can tell but I am going to confidently watch episode 10 the carbonite maneuver but before that we are at the magical interview point so like I said off the top, like this guy worked at a radio station in Toronto. And it was a radio station that I grew up listening to. Like It was probably one of the only stations I knew of. And when I found out I had the ability to talk live on it, I was like, who's going to be crazy enough to let me do this? Especially my early days of stand-up. And it was Fred Kennedy. Kennedy. Kennedy, a.k.a. Fearless Fred. And honestly... I, I don't know if it's Fearless Fred, a.k.a. Fred Kennedy. I don't know how a.k.a.'s work. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know if, whichever the case is, but I am so pumped for this. And uh, we end up talking for a good amount of time, but it's very informative for me, and I hope uh, it it will be for you, too. Uh, so I'm not going to ramble anymore. Uh, here we go. Interview with Fred Kennedy. All right, welcome to my first trek. We have I, I told him that we weren't gonna do an intro, and I can't start just mid-conversation. So I have to somehow introduce this. We got Fred Kennedy, also known as Fearless Fred, and I and he is not only a huge Star Trek fan, but probably one of the first people who interviewed me ever. And I feel <laughs> I feel like it's like a, a student teaching the teacher scenario or some weird metaphor, but, uh, Fred, how's it going, man? Thank you for doing this.
1: Dude, as soon as you said, do you want to talk about Star Trek? There's one thing you've probably (laughs) learned by now. Star Trek fans love talking about Star Trek.
0: It definitely seems to be an endless conversation. And that's what I've been, uh, learning as I've been on this journey of re or not rewatching, watching the old Star Trek episodes uh, so let's let's first of all get into a little bit about your love of Star Trek. Like, how deep is it? How long has it been going on for?
1: Star Trek was, like, uh, one of the first sci-fi things I think I ever watched because, like, growing up, my dad was in the Navy, and so he would be at sea, right? So he's at sea for, like, two or three months at a time, and then when he would come back, he would always watch Star Trek. And so I would watch Star Trek, like at five or six years old, just because my dad had it on, and I just wanted mm-hmm. to spend time with him. And uh, it's at its core, it was cool because it's spaceships flying around in space, and that's really all I got out of it. It wasn't until the next generation that I really became a fan of the show, and it was the the Locutus episode, the big season finale where I think it's the end of season three. Where the season ends with Jean-Luc Picard being like, we are bored. you will be assimilated. And then, oh man, what happens after that, buddy? That's when I, that's, I remember watching it being like my jaw on the ground being like, what? The captain of the ship is a bad guy now? Oh man. (laughs) Now I remember like my shock and terror being like nine years old and seeing that on TV. It was wild.
0: And, and that, and that was the thing that like the big, you were now invested in the storyline because yes. it, it's, it's hard for me to not repeat myself sometimes when I'm talking to guests about Star Trek, but I don't want to ever jump to conclusions, but every single person I talked to got into it from their parents and it's most likely the dad, but it is actually insane to me to find this. If I, if, if I find anything out about this podcast, it's. Star Wars was something that was like socially cool and Star Trek was like passed down by family. It seems (laughs) yeah, because (laughs) I, I knew nobody who watched Star Trek. Like, honestly, like it was like, you know, I've said the same reference a couple of times, but it was like Star Trek people were like creepy guys who hung out at like the comic book store, you know, like it wasn't like me and my friends, running around like we were always like playing with like lightsabers like you know like that was a big thing uh when I was a kid and it's interesting because watching it now as a 34 year old adult I'm trying to put my mind in you know I'm watching the original series and I'm trying to put my mind in that mindset and I don't know how any kid even for the original series would be able to know what's happening in the show like it has to just be the sci-fi side of it right
1: I don't even think it was anything other than watching something with my dad and having spaceships on TV. Like I had Yeah. I watched The Last Starfighter, I think was one of my favorite movies as a kid because I'm I'm about 10 years older than you, so I was a different era. Star Trek the Next Generation was on TV when I was in junior high and in high school. Mm-hmm. And I can remember a big like a weird moment for me was in grade 8 I was getting bullied a lot by this one guy named Alex Granulo was his name and he was like this giant Serbian dude who had puberty at like five and so he was a monster in junior high and I remember he was picking on me and then I stood up for myself and I like started throwing and then we both got sent to the office and we were sitting in the hallway and I had a Star Trek sticker on my binder And he just looked at it and said, are you going to watch the episode on Friday? It looks like it's going to be pretty good. And my bully also liked Star Trek. And then we started talking about Star Trek. And after that, he protected me the rest of grade eight. It was awesome.
0: (laughs) That that seems to be like a a pre-social media triumph story, you know, because in the social media age, you would have just known that from his profile or whatever if you were in the grade eight. But like you guys had to fight, and for him to see a sticker, which was the original form of, uh, I guess like a handle or a tag or whatever, yeah. and it and it brought you guys all together, which which really seems to be a crazy thing because talking with guests, you know, I can only, my knowledge on the whole show in general is limited, obviously at this point, but I have been noticing a couple things. Like I do feel that a lot of the characters that are like aliens are like different, uh, you know fears and phobias that a lot of kids possibly have like Spock to me, you know, is somebody who really isn't showing emotion and, you know, possibly is a little bit not, uh, you know, like could be kind of like autistic or something, you know, and going back at that time, where this wasn't talked about, I can only imagine as a kid where you feel different, just really connecting with the characters on this show, because you don't see that
1: anywhere, right? And the thing about when you're talking about connecting is, to me, Star Trek, When whenever you hear, and that's a big thing with like the conspiracy theorist guys on the air, New World Order, the world government, in my head, I'm like, having grown up and watched Star Trek, the United Federation of Planets, and having all peoples come together under one blanket organization that represents the same universal values of love, hope, and happiness, how can that be a bad thing, you know? And <laughs> yeah. so... And, and when you're talking, like, seeing things on screen that you empathize with, I remember seeing an interview with Whoopi Goldberg and how Star Trek was, like, it was the show that the family must watch because there was a black woman on TV who wasn't a housekeeper, who wasn't a secondary character. She was a main character and a valued member of the crew staff. Like, she was an officer, and that was a big deal. And when I hear people talk about Star Trek the common thread is identity and value and like they have this they identify with the people that are on the screen in one way or another and there's something for everybody and i i'm really curious for you like having grown up like i feel like star trek's always been there in my life but mm-hmm. for you as a newcomer like what are you identifying with on the series
0: it, you know what? It, there's a lot of different things that come and go because I've, I've, I'm now past like the fourth or fifth episode in the original series where I guess it was like a lot happening behind the scenes, like the two pilot episodes and, you know, because I remember like the first episode was like the salt monster one after the pilot. And then like, <laughs> I'm finally starting to understand the cast and the crew. And then like the third or fourth episode, they just switch the whole cast up again and uh, and then that my friend was telling me andrew cyros who's a big he's the trekopedia as i call him on the show uh he was explaining to me that that was supposed to be the pilot episode so Mm -hmm. i'm now past all that and i'm actually starting to see uh you know characters develop a bit and start to see who i relate to and things that I find, I'll tell you the honest to God truth. And again, I, and I, and I'm trying to find different things to talk about. It's just hard because I'm still so new in the show, but I did not think as much as I would about political statements from the show. Okay. Now on positive and negative to me, Dr. McCoy is racist. He is a racist guy who is like, always calling spock like a half breed or a green-blooded alien and i'm like and and to me this would be in our time in my time as you know a wide-eyed kid watching star trek that would be considered racist and just because spock's an alien i feel like they get away with it so i'm still kind of on the fence of uh where exactly it is i stand you know because the classic like hero character, I don't think really exists anymore. Like how captain Kirk was, you know, selfless for the crew and all that stuff, you know, but I don't know where I fit in on the show yet. It's still, I think too new for me.
1: You know, I think the, my, always my takeaway with star Trek is more so than character arcs, thematic arcs and issues. Like, you're talking about a show that was on during the vietnam war during the civil rights movement and all of those touchstones are addressed and mm-hmm. not even like danced around they're addressed pretty bluntly on the show but i think in terms of character arcs and journeys uh, star trek the next generation was a very different take on it and and that's my track like i mm-hmm. i remember when we were talking about coming on here i said Buddy, I'm going to talk more about Star Trek The Next Generation than I would about Star Trek The Original Series. And yeah. I think that The Next Generation stands the test of time more so than the original series does for a lot of the reasons that you're mentioning. Like, there was a lot of, and I don't want to, like, there's there's casual racism. You're talking about, like, an <laughs> alien thing. But there's a lot of that in there that is, even at its time, that show was, like, people kind of get all uppity about the new show discovery and about how they talk about how that it's, it's just like the the SJWs, man, they're ruining star Trek. It's like, <laughs> no dude, that's always been star Trek. Like yeah. that when, when the next generation came on, they changed the opening to say from where no man has gone before to where no one has gone before. Wow. And when that happened, there were literally star Trek fans who were like, I'm not watching this. It's PC garbage. <laughs> and, The head of security, Tasha Yar, she was a woman. And people got really mad about that. They're like, that's not right. That's not how it should be. And it's like, do you not get what Star Trek is? Like, it's about showing progression and change and how the world is constantly evolving. And we, as a society, need to evolve as well. I think it's uh, like the greatest thing about Star Trek is it's always my fallback when nerds get all uppity about gatekeeping and mm-hmm. about people being woke and all that stuff. I'm like, and you say you're a Star Trek fan? Really? <laughs> Gene Roddenberry would be so pissed at you right now.
0: <laughs> and and, and that, that really is the thing about how it is like this, like, you know, world where it's kind of nothing is really explained. You know, I, I've been like trying to figure out, first of all, what they're even doing. And I still not 100% uh, on, like, I still don't know what the whole point of the Starship Enterprise is. From my understanding, they're just kind of, like, creating, like, space unions or bringing everybody into, like, the Federation or whatever it is. All right. here's.
1: Let me break it down for you.
0: Yes, I need this.
1: The purpose of the Enterprise, it's... Well, we'll use an example of the the 1600s when they were the europeans were colonizing places so you set up all these colonies but the colonies and the colonists that live there fall prey to other colonies that are privateers mercenaries that are just out there seeing ordinary regular people that are building farms and then they attack them and they cause problems and they make things bad for everybody and make like life difficult they're opportunists Mm -hmm. and all that stuff and star trek the Enterprise is like a ship that sails from one colony to the other, putting out fires wherever there are. Like, that's basically the the best way okay. of breaking down what it is, um, except instead of... And, and the thing that's great about the show is, is they really deal with a lot of those colonial aspects and issues in multiple mm-hmm. episodes. Like, I forget the name of the episode specifically, but it's on a mine and there's this... There's this giant like slug monster that's like eating people and it turns out that this slug monster is actually trying to defend its children that Starfleet miners are murdering and butchering and that okay. in itself is addressing the concept of colonialism, hitting it very bluntly on the head and they do it and that's a great thing about sci-fi is you can, you can uh, analyze and address big social issues in a way that is non-threatening to people that wouldn't want to have that conversation otherwise using metaphor. And that's why I think Star Trek was such an important television show in the 1960s during an era where people really were starting to ask a lot of questions. And the next generation really built on that and started to address not just social issues, but scientific questions issues of environmental sustainability, uh, interracial conflict. It was, yeah. the whole series has always been groundbreaking. I think the standout show in terms of Star Trek series, in that it's a bit of a sore thumb, a lot of people would say uh, it would be Enterprise or even Voyager, but I would say it's Deep Space Nine, where the show started to take a turn of, addressing a full-on continuing conflict that was ongoing throughout the series, the Jem'Hadar War, which eventually you will get to. And it's some of the most compelling Star Trek you've ever seen. And my father is of the generation that went to Vietnam. He did not go to Vietnam, but he had many friends in the military that did. And he's always talked about how a lot of those issues were just never addressed when these guys were coming back. And by the time DS9 was on, it was all those guys were now retiring and having those talks and those discussions about their lives. And Deep Space Nine really got into what does war do, not just to the people that are fighting it, but to their families, and the societies, and the civilians that are left. It's a really, really brilliant program. And people don't give Deep Space Nine the credit that it deserves, because I think it's it could be the best Star Trek series of them all.
0: Yeah, and I'll blow your mind by telling you that I didn't even know till recently Deep Space Nine was Star Trek. I thought that was a whole other uh, genre of space show. Uh, but it really does seem that they're you know pretty aware of not only what's going on in the world, but also who their audience is. You know, and and if they if they really you know, from the original series, knew that they were getting all these people who were maybe coming back from the war or Vietnam or whatever, they, like, kind of... Do you think they kind of gave, like, a tribute type of storyline to them? Like, they were like, look, this is for the people who did what they did and we're helping the conversation here, you know? Kind of.
1: I I think that it's entirely possible because when you look at Gene Roddenberry was a World War II veteran and um, he had no problems putting, like, he had no problems jumping in with both feet into a difficult conversation. Uh, But at the same time, Star Trek had no problem having a good time and being campy. I mean, The Next Generation was really the last of the monster of the week Star Treks, um, in that there were episodes that kind of, like, continued and built off other ones that existed previously, but most of the episodes really just stand alone. And if you were to ask me for my favorite episode of Star Trek, it's not even a good episode. It's really <laughs> schlocky and cheesy, but I think it's the funnest one. And it's this episode called Degenesis or Regenesis. Okay. I forget what it is. And due to a transporter malfunction, there's always a transporter malfunction. There's always genetic, a tra- Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> um, the characters on the ship start devolving into primitive versions of their species or primitive versions of other species in the genetic chain. And the, like, one guy becomes, like, sort of an arachnid and, like, a Spider-Man. And then Worf becomes this primordial Klingon death machine. Counselor Troy turns into, like, a a fish lady. And it's so out there and weird. Like, but it's such a great episode, I think.
0: But not everybody likes it. There was one that I actually saw called The Enemy Within, I think. And that was one similar where they had a transporter... The, the, the teleporter malfunction and it split Kirk into two and it was like yes. a good version and a bad version. And you know what? I will say if I relate to any character, I, I might actually say Scotty is someone that I, I do relate to because I feel like whenever he's on, it's like bad news is happening. Something on the <laughs> ship is broken. And I feel like with like a lot of people when I'm like, when I show up, they're like, what, what happened? You know, like, what, what happened? Why is Mark here right now? Clearly something happened. Uh, and it is interesting because and, – and I like the idea of the standalone episode. You know, there's no – it's a, a, not a big commitment thing. You kind of grow with the, with the people. And I've actually talked to someone who, who mentioned it off um, recording because we talked about it a bit after. But he was saying that his parents actually start, stopped watching it when there was an arc because they loved the fact that you could jump in and out at any time. But once there was a continuous story, it kind of like, I guess did something to some of the old school fans where they didn't really, maybe it was just his parents. But do you think that was like a big turning point for how loyal you are as a fan now? Like you have to now pay attention to an arc and you You can't
1: just. I, I I think there's definitely an argument to be made for that. And, Um, when you talk about Star Trek fans now, I think Star Trek has a lot more fans than it did. And I think the internet is a huge aspect of that. We talk about like comic books and nerd stuff becoming mainstream now. Mm -hmm. And I think that the internet has made that possible because there's no commitment. You can watch it whenever Star Trek used to be on Friday nights at 8 PM, which meant if you wanted to watch Star Trek, you had to stay at home and watch it. There was no PVR. And it wasn't until like the next generation, like very near the end where you could program your VCR to start recording at 8 p.m. so you could go out. And even then it was like hit and miss if it even worked, you know? So that now you can just watch it whenever. And I think the premise of those arch-type episodes was that you could miss it. If you missed an episode, you were lost next week. You'd have to wait, you know what I mean? And that at the time, with, especially with an older demographic that's not an early adopter or tech savvy or whatever, definitely would have been put off by that because now they're chained to the television. You know, they have mm-hmm. to be there. Um, and I think that's why shows now are m- almost all episodic and continuous because people can ju- they can tell a bigger story, they can do more things, and they don't have to worry about a demo that's beholden to a broadcast time anymore. They just dump the whole series online. People can watch it whenever they want.
0: And you know what? I got to say, like, I'm obviously like a huge fan of the streaming platforms. Like, that's how I've been keeping busy, you know, during these crazy times. But I do hate the fact that, you know, uh, I kind of liked when TV was in control. You needed to watch it. You know, now it's like you can casually do whatever you want. It's exactly what you're saying. And it's a weird thing where you know obviously you know not to be the millionth person to talk about how we're different than people today will never understand but it was a crazy thing like i remember sunday nights it was like simpsons and x-files on like fox <laughs> and like i remember my mom used to watch x-files she didn't like the simpsons but like i was i would watch the simpsons first and then x-files and then i knew when south park was coming on i had to mute the you know, the exclaimer off the top. And it was like this whole, I had like a ritual because I knew when Are You Afraid of the Dark was coming on. I knew when uh, at Simpsons, X-Files, like, Even King of the Hill, Like, and people like, it is kind of like a, a lack of a routine
1: in general, you know, where... I, yeah, that appointment tuning was fun in that you know, you're, you'd have a crew that would get together and watch it. And mm-hmm. when Battlestar Galactica was on, we had a crew of like 10 people and we'd always meet at one apartment. We'd always order pizza and wings. We would always have a few beers and smoke a few doobies. And we'd watch Battlestar Galactica. The commercials would come on and then we would all discuss what we just watched <laughs> then get back into it. And there's a, there's like a romantic connection to that time and that way of doing things. Yeah. I feel bad that kids don't get that now. And it's like, don't get me wrong. I'm very grateful for streaming content when it's like Saturday afternoon and my kids are like, Oh, I want to watch a show. It's like, well, let's literally watch whatever we want to watch. But I I I do do miss that. All right, let's, have to watch this, and then you'd watch things that you may or may not have actually watched, but it was what was on at the time, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and that was the thing. I was talking with um, you know, I was talking with somebody, and they were talking about going to a Star Trek convention in like the 80s or something like that. And I'm like, you must like at that time, like it must be like just deep fans, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like someone coming there because they want to take a picture or just to put it on anything, it's like you only knew that a Star Trek convention was happening because you followed the whole system, mm-hmm. you know, like, and that I feel like is, is different where, you know, I can only imagine how many like diehard, lifelong Star Trek fans probably hate all the new people who don't know what the hell's happening half the time. But they were like, man, I was here since, you know, since I had to wait once a week to watch it, you know, but I feel like
1: it's never ending Star Wars argument. fans are a bit worse for that type of thinking. I think Star Wars fans could be the worst for that type of thinking. Really? Um, oh yeah, Star Wars fans like there, there's a, a meme that like I love Star Trek and Star Wars. I, I like them both for very different reasons. But there's a meme about uh, it's got a it's got Captain Picard looking at uh, I think Luke Skywalker and Luke Skywalker saying something about his fans are the best. And it's like <laughs> Captain Picard goes your fans only like three of your movies. <laughs> That's <laughs> it, really. That's it. Whereas yeah. with Star Trek, Star Trek fans love all of it. They don't care. Yeah. They love everything about it. They love Generations. They love you name it. They love it all. And when you're talking about the Star Trek conventions, the way you found out about Star Trek conventions was in the Star Trek magazine, because there was an official Star Trek
0: magazine. <laughs> yeah, I didn't
1: uh, that, yeah. They would have like an active list of columns and letters in the back where all of the fans would write and talk about who was going to be there, uh, figuring out guests for each con, where they would go. And they were usually planned a few months in advance, and you could get tickets through the magazine if you had a subscription for a discount. There's a reason I know all of this, Mark.
0: (laughs) I'm assuming you were a a top subscriber.
1: Well, I loved Star Trek because it was hopeful. And I think that, the, the key thing about Star Trek was that it was hopeful. And when you're a kid and you're watching the news and it's terrifying, and I feel like people are addicted to fear now. Like, oh, yeah. it used to be you watched the news and then it was done. Now people log on to the internet to go to their, their like, if you're, if you're lean left, you go to a website that talks about how every conservative is a Nazi and wants to murder you. And if yeah. you're a conservative, you go to a website – every liberal wants you to marry their goat and they're all want you to be transgender. And it's like, everyone is like actively looking for reasons to hate people and feel better than the other side. And star Trek is, is not that it's just a show about a future where we're all together. And it's not just humans and people that are together. It's It's alien races, everyone. And we've gotten past all these superficial boundaries and divisions and, we're we're exploring the stars together baby <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that and, and i guess we'll kind of we'll we'll wrap it up on that but that's kind of what i was talking about before about like how nothing is talked about they just do it on the show it's yeah. like we have a multi-race cast we have women in charge we have all this stuff and it doesn't need to have like a whole episode to explain it or whatever it's just kind of like this is the norm okay we're going to deal with this and we're going to do it. We're going to, it's just like we're living, like we all have the same problems and the same, we're all on the same mission, you know? And I guess that is something like an overall message of uh, Star Trek in general, is just you know, keep, uh, keep moving.
1: If, if, if Keep moving, exactly. And if I think like, I remember I said I was going to like talk about specific episodes. There is one thing I definitely wanted to touch on. And it's like, when you talk about a standalone episode, it is a standalone episode in itself. Um, you could watch it right now and just have a loose understanding of the characters and who they are. Um, and it's from the, it's from the next generation and it's called the Drumhead. Uh, and it was actually directed by Jonathan Frakes who plays uh, commander Riker and the premise of this show, it, it it's sort of like the crucible and it addresses like McCarthyism and about how Freedom is awesome and it's great, but there's people that will try and take advantage of the vulnerabilities of that system where we really are depending upon each other to, to do good. Like there really is uh, moral currency for this society that we live in to function and the drum which I think could be the most powerful episode of any of the series ever. Okay. um really addresses that strongly and i don't want to give anything away for anybody who hasn't seen it like you haven't seen it i will just no. say that it was it's like 30 years old now and if you watched that episode as soon as we got off the phone you would be shook at how oh. relevant it is to what's going on in the world today the drumhead, i think is an example of timeless science fiction about themes that will be present for our children's generation and our grandchildren's generation. It is the high watermark of the star Trek franchise, as far as I'm concerned. And when, when the Picard series was announced, a lot of people were wondering why is Picard getting a series? Watch that episode. That's why he is the quintessential, not patriarch, but like, parental figure of soft guidance and wisdom like the speak softly and carry a big stick you know that's yeah. it and it's perfect <laughs> star Trek, man it's perfect
0: no, that actually is a, that is pretty crazy because i remember there someone was telling me that picard does come back i didn't even know that till like last week uh in the new in the newer generation and and i guess it's like it's funny that you were saying how relevant it is today. And it's like to think that that's what like sci-fi is just imagining a better world, you know, like technology wise, living wise. And then, you know, 30, 40 years later, it's all coming from like cell phones to, you know, movements, you know, but, but it, it really is crazy. Like, uh, that the sky is the limit with, uh, with sci-fi, you know, if it's good or bad, I guess.
1: It's fantastic. I think it's hopeful. And I, I'm, I'm excited that you get to experience it all again for the first time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely been more work now that I'm trying to do work with it. I can't just like (laughs) lay down and watch it. I'm like finding everything else to do, but uh, I am trying to, to, to get through it. And I'm definitely getting on board with all the characters and being able to have uh, an a almost 30, 35-minute conversation about Star Trek, which I could assure you I never would have been able to do uh, two weeks ago. So uh, I just want to say thank you, man, for, uh, for being on the show. And um, I'll obviously let you know when it's all ready to go. But uh, thanks for, for talking Star Trek with me. Anytime, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll let you know when I watch the drum, when I get to the Drumhead episode. We'll, uh, we'll have a follow-up.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited. for. Uh, there's a few episodes that I know will get you. Uh, Q Who is a really good one. That is considered the first good episode of The Next Generation. Because okay. it was kind of a floundering series where they didn't really know what they were doing. And then when they did Q Who, uh, which is, I think, the second appearance of Q, and they introduced the Borg. And that is... Okay. holy shit, that's a good episode. So like, it's really the, good. The
0: next generation is, like, legitimately after the first generation? Or is it, like, is there a generation in between that I'm missing out it's on? It's,
1: like, a hundred years later in Star Wars. But, Canada. like, I don't know.
0: season-wise. Like, if I finish yes. watching the the first 80 episodes, which I feel like I'm, like, going to the gym right now. You know, I'm putting in my... I'm, I'm gaining my... I don't know what color shirt I'd be wearing. But I'm, <laughs> maybe I'm wearing, like, a, a maroon shirt right now. But... I want to learn about it, and then the next generation would technically be the one that came out after the first generation, right?
1: Yeah, it goes Star Trek, the next generation, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, uh, and then Star Trek just died. They didn't do anything with Star Trek because Enterprise Enterprise is kind of like a victim of timing. It debuted the week after 9-11, which isn't the best time for a new show. Yeah. So they did that, and then that was the last one. They hadn't done anything until they did um, Discovery, which came on, like, three years ago. And I really like Discovery, And then, uh, but now it's like I, I don't have cable anymore, and we have problems with our crave, like Bell Crave streaming, so I, I, I don't get to watch it, and which pisses me off because I love Star Trek. And then yeah. there's the Picard series. So, wow. but there's also an animated Star Trek show, which just came <laughs> on, which is yeah. kind of like a joke Star Trek. It's like a comedy. Lit- and it's actually okay. done by a lot of the same people who do Rick and Morty. So,
0: Oh, really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Because I, I heard that there's about eight. They just uh, announced some new Star Trek thing. That's going to be the 800th hour of Star Trek that is out. <laughs> So I got a lot to catch up on. Uh, I might be done this by the time I'm like 55, but.
1: Uh, You'll I'll get be, through it. You'll
0: do it. Yeah, <laughs> no. But again, man, thank you very much. Uh, I will keep in touch with you and always, you know, like I said, thank you for everything. Um, that episode, you know, I, I'm trying to figure out how to describe it. And I would say a tear to my eye, but that I'd be lying to you. I'm not crying. It was more like a, a, a verbal tear. Which I guess would be like a drool, you know, which is way grosser. You know, like I think people would rather have tears on them than drool. You don't really want someone to drool on your shoulder, but you want them to cry on your shoulder. Does this make sense? Probably not. But thank you again, though, seriously, Fearless Fred, AKA Fred Kennedy, or Fred Kennedy, AKA Fearless Fred, whatever the case is. Thank you very much for this. And don't forget to follow him on all social media platforms at fearless underscore Fred. He has podcasts. He's on the radio. He's writing. He's doing a bunch of stuff, blogging. Seriously, check him out. He's into this whole world. And I, I I'm just like super pumped that he took the time out of his uh, you know, his busy schedule to, to have a conversation with me about Star Trek. But that's what I'm learning. People. There is no status in Star Trek, you know? Like, it's like... It's kind of like... I'm starting to code, okay? This is going to be my B-plot to this podcast, by the way. And I've noticed that, like... People who are in the coding world... I personally feel like they love when people are trying to learn, you know, like, obviously, there's a little bit of attitude problems sometimes. But if you have questions, and you talk to somebody who knows how to do it, they seem happy that you're learning how to do this. And I feel like that's similar to Star Trek, you know, like, you can't just be like, hey, like, you want to just talk. And people are like, yeah, okay, I guess we can just talk on a podcast. What do you want to talk about? Like, I, I don't know. And then, you know, you you make excuses, you get out of it. But but when, when I asked Fred, like he, we were talking about, the second I mentioned Star Trek to him, he was like, I don't even care what happens, I'm in. And this to me is just like the beauty of this whole thing where I really, the it really is seeming more and more like, I don't know if it's religion is the word or fault, like obviously it's a falling, but it's something that you you know the 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 loyal fans of star trek love to spread the word you know spread the the gospel of kirk and all these other uh characters that i'm still trying to figure out who but but it, it's just interesting how everyone gets into star trek through their family you know everyone has that strong family moment most people i've talked to at least got into star trek with their family and Everyone remembers that turning point episode. They remember that episode that made them just jaw drop and be like, "This is gonna be something that is in my life forever." And I think that's that's an amazing thing. And yeah, am I am I a little jealous? I missed out on that for sure. But you know, I got my shows like Simpsons to me, and you know, maybe even X Files to a certain point because like X Files was a show that I used to watch with my mom when I was growing up because she really liked that and that show to me like has like that type of comfort level, you know, where I'm seeing star Trek has that with a lot of people. But one more time, I want to thank Fred. And uh, like I said, get him on social media, fearless underscore Fred, fearless underscore Fred. Um, And, yeah, now I'm about to get into the episode, uh the Carbonite Maneuver, which spoiler alert as you probably already know, they also explain for real what the Starship Enterprise does. So, it was a double whammy of of knowledge in this one, but I'm about to get into it. So, here we go. Okay. Um I I have a feeling that if you're listening and you knew what episode I was about to watch, you might be laughing right now because that was absolutely insane. It took 11 episodes for me to understand what the whole point of the Starship Enterprise is, and it is, as Kirk said, twice actually in this episode the The mission of the Enterprise is to seek out and contact alien life. Now, I could honestly be wrong, obviously, but I am a hundred percent convinced that that is the first time that that was said in the whole series. Like to me, this seems like it could have been like the actual pilot episode. It there is so much explained, there is obviously so much mystery with this cube in the sky, and then. Yeah, like, obviously the ending, which we're about to get into. Like, I I don't even know where to begin because, first of all, okay, like, this is a perfect example of, or a pickle, this is a perfect pickle, I'll say, of like, should I be watching and talking at the same time or talking after the episode? Because this episode is a complete, like, it does like a complete 180. Like, I can't even, I I don't even understand what is happening. Because I'll, the only way I could do this is let me walk you through my thoughts at the beginning. And then I will naturally get to the insane ending of what happened at the end. So... Okay. Um, Here we go. So yeah, one thing that I wanted to know uh, that I was noticing a little bit in the 10th episode, and then I saw it a little bit more in this episode is a possible introduction to the iPad. This is completely off topic. But I noticed in episode, uh, what was it episode, I guess nine of or the last episode of my podcast, but episode nine of Star Trek that they, uh, I don't know, whatever the hell the last episode was, Spock was on uh, some sort of pad, and I and, and I forgot to mention that it looked like an iPad. And then in this episode, Bailey, who don't worry, we're about to get into him, he was on it. So I was just like, oh, I wonder if that's like uh, the first introduction to what an iPad kind of could be. And as I predicted, Spock is becoming more of a dominant character. He, you you know. He's the first character we see on the episode opening this time. He's running the ship. Because Kirk is too busy getting all oiled up. So yeah. I'm really happy. I now. You know. 10, 11 episodes in. Understand what the point of the Starship Enterprise is. You know. And it it, it was good to finally learn about it. But then it was weird. Because there was so many. I got like. Uh, other questions. Like a Jolan. Or Jolan. Like. I I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's like is that like a maid or is that her name? Like I don't understand because you know Kirk mentioned to McCoy uh, the the whole idea about like why he has a female Jolan, and so I, I'm just not understanding exactly what what a male Jolan is or what it is to be honest with you. And then in that same scene, you know. Kirk uh, mentions that he has one female love in his life and it's the ship, which if you are a diehard listener, as I know you all are, uh, you're going to remember in a previous episode, I mentioned the theory because Kirk in an episode of like talking about your deepest, darkest secrets mentions that he's in love with the ship. Now, this brings up a question to me again. Is Kirk in love with the ship? Is it like, and I'm not talking like, oh, this is my ship, like a full-on romantic situation. And I'm trying to understand, like, you know, as a writer, from a writer's point of view, is it like their way of him not having any love interest in the show if he just loves the ship? Which is weird on a whole other level. Like, don't get me wrong, but I I can see how as a you know not being like like a James Bond type guy where he just sleeps with everyone but it's like is his love interest in this show the starship enterprise which i you know is it's i guess it's a possibility but now we move on to first of all we're going to talk about bailey for a second like first of all what is with this guy like it's clear that like, I'm trying to wonder if he was just kind of thrown in in the last edit of the script to be like, how the hell do we get out of this scenario? You know, because it's like he really just didn't do anything in the episode except be the out, you know, at the end of it. They just sacri—they just gave him to that weird alien baby. Like, what the hell was that? Okay, because at first I was like, oh, this is the first episode where we actually see an alien, you know, I'm like, like, not like some like monster, like a straight up, like big eye green alien. But then you get to the ship and it's some baby, which I was like, really? What the hell? It was terrifying, to be honest with you. Uh, And I didn't know, but it's Ron Howard's brother. And I'm assuming all of you who like Star Trek already knew that, but it is just hilarious that that character. I don't think there's been a scarier character on TV to be honest with you. Like to me, that is a terrifying and it wasn't even meant to be scary. Like it was just terrifying. And like this was a this was a, you know, you learn a lot of people in the in the face of death type of scenario of an episode because Spock blew my mind by just throwing in the towel. Like he just was like, you know what? we're dead. There's no point of trying. Which kind of blew my mind cuz Kirk, you know, this time he wasn't physically put to the test, but mentally he was cuz he he came back at the end. This time with a little bit of poker rules, you know, he he was not he wasn't scared in the face of death as usual and and threw out a bluff that seemed to work in his favor, thank God. But it it really it really was uh, an episode where we learned a lot, like even Spock talking about that that alien reminded him of his dad and then McCoy with his smart-ass backhanded racist comment comes in. But like we now know, and again, you know, I could be wrong, but I don't think it was talked about before that Spock's mom was human and her his dad was that alien thing so, similar to it. So this was a big learning episode but i just think i can't get over the the ending because it was like such a stressful episode the whole time and then the last like three minutes is this alien baby that was like drinking martinis or whatever the hell it was and then they just gave up bailey they're like take bailey please so all in all, the episode was very entertaining, and I will say, looking at episode 12, episode 11, uh, the next episode is my first two-parter. So uh, that's an event, you know, have like a, a night for that, you know, have your friends over, have a streaming party, whatever you want to do, but uh, this has been episode 11, The Corbinite, Night, which, uh, again... I'm assuming Corbinite is a made up word that uh, Captain Kirk just threw out there to the bluff, which is hilarious. So I don't feel bad for not knowing what it was unless it is actually something. Then, yeah, I'm sorry. But but this episode has definitely peaked and grabbed my attention moving forward. This has been the longest episode I've done so far because so much insane shit has happened. But uh, we got a two-parter, assuming, could be three, I don't know, uh, coming up. But for now, this has been episode 11, the Carbonite Maneuver of my first trek. My name, as always, is Mark the Bonus. And don't forget to engage, okay? Share, tweet, comment, do whatever you got to do. But thanks for listening, and see you guys soon.